Hi, I'm Jenny. And I'm Tim. And we are the Irreverence. Welcome. It's All Saints Day. Okay, wait. It's, it's not All Saints Eve. It oh, is. Hallow's Eve, Jenny. That's right. That's right. Halloween. It is Halloween when we are recording this. H A double L O W double E N. Spell Halloween. Did you just make that up? No, it's a song that my elementary school music teacher had to sing every single year. <laughs> I thought maybe it was something from your pumpkin patch, which we oh, never got pictures of. From my past. Yeah. Okay, that's funny. It's so, so catchy. Um, uh, God bless Mrs. Summy. I assume she is with the Saints these days. Oh, funny segue you make there. Hey. Because this Sunday is All Saints Day, and today actually happens to be the eve of All Saints, which... Well, All Saints Day. Yeah. So... the first, every single year, it's a fixed feast. Yep. And, uh, but we have the option of also observing it the following Sunday. Which so most churches do. Of our parishes are doing, man. So, uh, All Hallows' Eve, or Halloween, is sort of the Christian way of looking at this night before and took the idea of the spirits roaming the earth from this sort of Celtic idea of a thin space where uh, the spirits could roam and made it into something beautiful instead of scary. Not even just Celtic, you know, like uh, lots of cultures around the world have stuff that's tied to this. Um, And, you know, to see, watch, watch Coco, you know. That's kind of the whole Such idea. a good movie. Oh, my God. So, I love makes, it me so cry. makes me cry every time when you sing it. To, to um, well, you were the one who told me to, to watch it. Um, yeah. Such a great movie. The idea is, is that the spirits of the people you loved are not something to be afraid of. Or and they're even, still around. And even the idea of spirits is not something that we have to reject as, a, as part of the occult or something, or it's satanic. Um, anyone who's who has really loved someone who's died understands the way in which that person can sometimes feel tangibly present to you. And that's not something to be scared of. Yeah. But so for the church's history, the thing, you know, the, in, in addition to, to all of that, this, all, all Saints Day is the day where all the saints who are not otherwise recognized on the sanctorial calendar, you know, like a sanctorial calendar, sanctorial can- calendar, the the okay. official calendar of saints. So saints okay, have so the dictionary. Typically, it's the day that they died on, you know. So this is the catch-all day for them. Okay, so All Saints Day gets its the readings change every year. Um. This year is year eight, as you reminded us last week. Um, again, I just don't really pay attention to it because I go to the lectionary page.net. Um, and this year, the first lesson, instead of having a lesson from the Hebrew scriptures, although we have a psalm, the psalms are in the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament, we have a reading from from the revelation of john i'm just going to read it and then we have to talk all about revelation okay Okay. this is from revelation chapter 7 verses 9 through 17 
After this, I, parentheses, John, close parentheses, looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of the water of life and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And here ends the lesson. Let's say we all. Yeah. Okay. Before we get to this beautiful line and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Oh my God, people. There is such an understanding that the book of Revelation is a prediction of the end of the world. And if there is one thing you learn from the irreverence today, that is not what the book of Revelation is. The book of Revelation is not a prediction of the end of the world, and you need not look for cues and signs and all of that. The book of but, Revelation. But people make a lot of money doing that, Jim. Oh my God. And and a lot of terror. And literally, I want to like to I like to say that the, the book of Revelation is actually a love letter to the, the churches and, and predominantly Anatolia. Okay. I've got to talk to Tanya about this because if you ever wrote Tanya a love letter full of the sorts of blood and gore that are in this and creepy, well, no, like but it's it's shit. like, hey guys, we know that all this horrible stuff is happening to us because of our witness, but don't worry about it. Yeah, God wins. God wins. God yeah. wins. God loves. God wins, and if and and the elect will be with God. You know, I well, mean, but what a great message. So the word. Okay, so the book of Revelation is is part of a body of a kind of literature called apocalyptic literature. And the word apocalypse does not mean the end of the world like the zombie apocalypse. The or, word or apocalypse. Dwayne Rock Johnson, Saving LA. <laughs> Whatever else it's going to be. You know. That's exactly what it meant. The Bible predicted rock, the rock. Um, no, that's Peter. Okay, wait. I, di- I digress. St. John smelled what the rock was cooking. The word apocalypse means an unveiling or a revealing. And the idea of apocalyptic literature was to show you sort of what was underneath, what's really happening, what is revealed. And the whole idea of the book of Revelation is 
you may be experiencing these terrible trials right now because it was written at a time when the Jesus followers were, um, well, actually Jerusalem had fallen and the Jesus followers were being um, tortured and rounded up and killed. And the idea was you may be really deeply suffering now. We all may be really deeply suffering now, but the real story that's happening is that God is winning and God will win, and you don't need to be afraid. Um, I have literally had people, I had a, a teenager in one of my youth groups one year. There was one of those people you mentioned making a lot of money off of, you know, here's my documentary film about the end of the world. And she called me like in tears. She was in a complete panic thinking that the world was ending because of something in the book of Revelation. Like it was posted a couple of weeks ago, in fact. There's... Oh. there's one of those. And here I think, we are. I think we're up to almost 50 in just my lifetime and when the world was supposed to end based the on particular days. Yeah. Like Joshua and the other apocalyptic texts. Well, and frankly, right now, this is not funny at all. This is not, this is just deeply, deeply sad. There is another war in the Middle East right now. Heartbreaking, gut-wrenching. And there are religious people in the world who who rejoice in this because they think it means the end of the world is coming and Jesus is getting ready to come back. But people living through the bubonic plague thought the world was ending and Jesus was coming back. And, you know, insert any number of tragedies that have happened throughout human history in the last 2,000 years. The bottom line of it all is that regardless of what's happening we are to keep our eyes on what God is doing and what is going to become and is becoming. And, and as we talked about last week, who God is and who God is becoming aligned with ideas of love and healing and kindness and forgiveness and restoration and wholeness. And God doesn't, oh gosh, we could have whole episodes on, God is not a God of vengeance of like violence and oppression and exploitation. God is a God of love. People exploit and harm and are violent. And pretty sure we have like a hundred episodes of stuff that includes. Yeah, that's true. So how does this story in the book of revelation, how is this good news for us today? Like, what does this matter because we've got this scene of all the people, you know, the 100,000 people in their white robes that were washed in the blood of the Lamb, which is frankly language that was always, I could never connect with if it was supposed to draw me into this God. The idea that, I'm, you know, a Lamb has to die. I know, I know about temple worship, mm -hmm. but being washed in the blood of the Lamb is not something that makes me want to follow God. So what is this? How is this supposed to be good news for people other than the big picture of what's going on underneath is that God wins? Um, yeah. How does this actually say that? Well, I think it's, it's in that last, that last part. These are yeah, right. those who come out of the great ordeal, right? Like set the washing robes being made white in the blood of the lamb to the side. These are the ones who have come out of the ordeal, the ones who have persisted. Right. They, they, they will are hunger no more. the throne of God, worshiping day and night. 
and God will shelter them. The one who is on the throne will shelter them. No more hunger, no more thirst, no more scorching heat from the sun. The lamb at the throne is the shepherd and giving them springs, the water of life and wiping away every tear from their eyes. Yeah. Also one of the readings that the book of common prayer sets out specifically for uh, the funeral liturgy. Yes. Oh, there is nothing. It's so beautiful in a funeral to read that language about God wiping away every tear. I also love the idea the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. Instead of the shepherd leading, the lamb will lead. And it's it's also reminiscent of um child shall lead them. Yeah, a little child shall lead them. You know, the wisdom, the innocence, the vulnerability is of a little baby lamb or a child is in God's kingdom, what counts as leadership, right? Not power and intimidation and violence and things. So part of the big lesson that we can take that matters right now, whether it's in our individual lives or in our collective life where we see so much suffering and pain in the world is that the real story is that the lamb at the center of the throne is our shepherd and he will guide us to the springs of the water of life and God will wipe away every tear. Salvation also belongs to, to God, you know, like it's nothing that we can make happen. We can force to happen. Right. Yeah. And the tools we use, again, getting back to the idea of who's the shepherd, the tools we use to try to make things happen are... Pretty as we are seeing in the world these days. Yeah. And the tools we are invited to use are the tools of love and healing and forgiveness. And and what does that even really look like? Um, in a world where we beat all of our weapons into... Right. ...arm with. I mean, yeah. that's... That's right. Like if we, and that's, that's actually just absolutely true. If we took what we spend, like not just in the United States, which is magnitudes larger than anybody else. But if we took that across the world and no longer invested all that money into weapons, think, think of what, what could be done with that money to feed people and house people, and everything else, so. Whew. Okay, well, how about the gospel? Let's let's look at the gospel. The gospel? Oh, my God. Hey. Oh, my God. The gospel is Matthew's, Matthew's take on the Beatitudes. Healing balm. Oh, my God. Do we need this? All right. Uh, Matthew 5, 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And here ended the lesson. Woo. I literally receive these words as like a healing balm. It's not that it's easy for me to live by them or even to completely understand them. Right. But just the hearing of them, these ideas of blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the peacemakers. I mean, all of that is just so healing even to hear. It's the idea that that's who God is. Oh, thank you. I like to think of uh, the Sermon on the Mount uh, in the way that... uh, I think it was Richard Rohr who actually introduced this this, this way um, in one of his books, but basically uh, that it's uh, Jesus' business plan for the world, mm. right? Oh, like wow. this, is, this is this is the organization that I've come to establish, and here's what it looks like. And you're right; it's counterintuitive. Yeah. We just really do a piss poor job. Sorry of <laughs> living, <laughs> living into it. Do a terrible job. Yeah. Uh, peace, peacemaking and stuff is, is, is not our, our natural state as human beings, I think, um, given where the world is anyway. So it's, it's just a really significant and hard thing. And, you know, one of the interesting things about this, going back to where, where these uh, readings are used other, other places is this is one of the selections that is offered by the book of common prayer to be read at weddings. Oh, and um, occasionally, occasionally some some couples select it. I've had a couple couples select it this year. And, you know, just my curiosity with them is it's like so, you know, a lot of people don't tend to go for this one. Uh, So why why did you select it? And it was because they were looking around at everything that's happening in the world Mm. and wanting better and wanting their marriage to live lives that led towards these things that are discussed. And blessed are you when you are persecuted. Okay. In the time that Jesus said these things, people had the understanding that if bad things were happening in your life, it was because something to deserve it. Right. Or your parents did or your grandparents or your great grandparents. Somebody. Yeah. That, that the punishment was being visited. Generational karma thing. Yes. And it's not like that's without basis in the Bible. You know, there are things that say you'd be punished for generations. This is Jesus turning that on its head and saying, blessed are you when you are persecuted for being righteous, when you are persecuted for trying to speak the truth or be loving. Blessed are you when when you are punished for that. Because you are being brave and loving, loving who you're not supposed to love or accepting or welcoming a stranger that you're not supposed to. Boy, this just says you are doing God's work and turns the expectations of the world upside down. It's really, ooh, it's profound. It's beautiful. God, this is how you bless the people who love you. <laughs> No wonder you have so few friends. Right. 
Uh, I think that was a Teresa of Avila. If this is how you treat your friends, no wonder you have so few of them. Yeah. Um, um, but you know, there, there, there's this profound, profound wisdom in all this and, uh, the, the peace of God that in the end abides looks like this. Yeah. And it's definitely not going to sell on wall street. Well, and yet most people, I think long for it. Yes. Yearn for it. I mean, I think that's what our spirits, our souls yearn for this living water, yearn for a world where there is dignity and where everybody has enough to eat and nobody and clean water and safety from the elements, you know, as somebody, Oh my God, I sunburn. I sunburn so easily. So boy, do I <laughs> get what it, this is. True. You have two, you have two colors, white and red. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Very yeah. similar, you know, and, the idea that this is written in a desert culture and it says the sun shall not strike you and you will have water, you will not thirst. I mean, man, that is just a tangible sign of just peacefulness. And I think most people long for that. I just think it's so Are easy. You would hunger and thirst for righteousness. Yeah. It's and just so It's actually a song that I like. Um, Todd Agnew uh, sings it. It's called My Jesus. It's from a while back now. And basically it, it calls out churches for how, how we create a Jesus that we want to follow versus. Follow. Oh my God. This is the actual one, one. One of the lines in it. I was actually listening to it on my drive in this morning. So I guess the spirit's talking to me and all this. I have to pay some attention to this, but one of the lines. Holy is, spirit. What, what that are you both hunger and thirst for righteousness? Or do you ache for another taste of this world of shifting sand. Oh, you know, it's like, yeah. What, what actually parches, what actually quenches the, the parching thirst right. versus, and you know, there's actually like, you know, one, one of the tropes in Westerns too. I don't know if you've ever seen this is like, if somebody's at the point of dying of thirst out in the desert in the Southwest, you know, they lost their horse, whatever's happened. <laughs> you get to a point where if they, if they are hallucinating enough, they will actually Eat drink dirt. Yeah. Yes. I've seen that. And so it's, um, I, I think that it, was even in a there. Gilligan's Island episode at some point. Yeah. Uh, I know, I know it was definitely in uh Gunsmoke. Oh, it happened in Gunsmoke a lot. Right. <laughs> so, so, I I'd like to watch that when I was a kid. Um, yeah, I think that trope was common enough. I didn't really watch a lot of Western, so I remember Bonanza a bit because um, I thought Little Joe was awfully cute. Um, there you go. But, um, but I remember that trope of thinking that you're seeing an oasis of water yeah. and, and you're drinking, you're eating. But you know that that idea of the sand is also another metaphor of what do you build your house on? Do you build your house on rock or do you build, build your house on sand? And the answer in much of the outer banks of North Carolina is we build them on sand. Yeah. And then when they get <clears throat> underneath, yeah. we 
we are surprised because it sometimes looks solid, but it's it's vulnerable. And this is why the word apocalypse matters so much. Uncovering. It's an uncovering of what was there that you just didn't see. Yes, all this garbage is happening, but just wait. And just wait. The better thing comes. And yeah. if when it unveils, then you can make better decisions. Because if you could see that what you were building on was sand and not rock as you thought, then you can make better choices. And I feel like, to be honest, some of the gift of the last several years of the unveiling that has shown us the vibrancy and the commitment of America's racism and, and hatred and division, I think was necessary for us to see that the problem was not better at all. It was no. just a little bit hidden. And I think we need, we need that unveiling to make better decisions, yeah. better decisions that can help us be loving and courageous and truth telling and compassionate and healing and restoring instead of trying to build our house on something that's corrupt underneath. And so anyway, apocalypse can be a gift again, not the zombie one. The, I think now, I think people assume that the, end of the world is going to be with zombies now i think that's yeah yeah well yeah because there's in the news this week mayan Mayan prophecies or something you know there's yeah all sorts of um yeah the the, uh dinosaur asteroid thing is in the news again this week because now they have affirmatively established which i thought they did a long time ago that it was dust in the air that caused the ceasing of photosynthesis uh nuclear winter They also have confirmed that basically it's split in two parts. The biggest part hit the Yucatan Peninsula, but then another part came down someplace else. So it was like a two for Oh, (laughs) buy one, buy one earth destroying asteroid, get one free. Oh, actually it didn't destroy the earth. Not like more like, more like cutting it, you know, down to try to shave a few of the calories off, but you still eat the whole amount. (laughs) Doesn't work. Well, I always tell people church calories don't count. Okay, let's do Electio, and I will pick. I'm ready. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. What sticks out for you? Well, children of God, um, that, that sticks out for me. I think in a time where there seems to be very little peace, where it's difficult to find even a peaceful place to be, where there's not somebody screaming about their perceived slight or their very real plight. Wow. It's, you know, it's the people who stand out who, to me, the ones who stand out are the ones that, that make the peace. You know, wow. like the people who are here in my parish feeding people on a Monday evening, feeding 120 people who otherwise would go to bed hungry. That's creating peace for them. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah. I think um, your, your observation that there's very little peace. Uh, and then you said where even when there aren't people, 
just complaining about their perceived slights or their actual challenges makes me think that peace, I mean, we need to start with peace within ourselves, right? Like if we don't have peace within ourselves, then what are we sharing, really? Um, for me, the, the word is peacemaker because I I tend to think that just colloquially, the way I live my life, I'm looking for peace, right? Like, um, you know, I might find it out, not in the desert where I'll fry, but um, but like I might find it in the woods or on the... Um, Along you know, with ticks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right, there is no place where I could go. There is no place. Okay, let's. So, where uh, I can use sunscreen. So, let's do sunscreen and bug spray. Um, I tend to think of myself as looking for peace, but the word peacemaker, even just the word peacemaker, is itself a challenge to not just look for peace, but make it, create it, and not just make space for it, but the challenge is to create it yourself. And I often preach about putting love out into the world and stuff, you know, like, like we can choose, we can't always choose what happens to us. We can choose how we respond and we can put love out or anger you know, righteous indignation, which is just my favorite thing, or we can put out something else. And even just this word invites me to think of peace differently. The peace isn't something you discover, though you can discover it. The peace is something you're challenged and encouraged and invited to make. Um, really profound. So, Blessings. So again, another step in Lectio Divina is what does this call you to do? And we like to think of it as who does this call us to bless? And obviously it's blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are all the people listed in this. But I want to bless all those right now who are just working behind the scenes. But again, let's we're rolling back you know, what you see on the surface, the, the good, brave, courageous people who are working behind the scenes on healing and wholeness and peace, trying to make safe spaces, bring health care, bring emergency care, bring safety to people in the Middle East or people um, in the war in Ukraine. I don't want to forget, you know, the people who are victims of violence everywhere, Right. But there are people in every one of those situations working, working, working for peace. Not just diplomats, but I mean doctors and people trying to rebuild hospitals or people sheltering others in their homes. I mean, God bless them. Ugh. They are blessed. This tells us blessed are the peacemakers. What's your blessing? Uh, my blessing is, uh, my blessing is for those who, or my prayer, for those who stir trouble. 
Ooh, say more. The ones who have an agenda and create unpeace to advance that agenda. And I'm praying that this thought that being a peacemaker creates one to be a child of God. So you become more profoundly attracted to them than sowing distrust or anger. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so often behind that or underneath that, if we're talking about sort of unveiling what what's behind that veil of, of that sort of sabotaging or disrupting or um, that sort of behavior is fear. Woundedness and fear. Yeah. And, and I would pray that those people would find a healing balm for that so they wouldn't have to put out so much pain. Right. Amen. Yeah. All right. So welcome back to this is now episode 101 of the irreverence and we're glad you're with us. Uh, we encourage you, we invite you, we ask you to go to Apple podcasts. You'll have to look for the irreverence and find us and if you could rate us or write a review, it will help other people find us right now. Since we've been dormant for a few years. Tell um, your friends. Tell your friends. And um, we will be back next week. And we hope something is unveiled beautiful in your life this week. Many unveilings. Yeah. Woohoo. Okay. And happy Halloween. Happy, happy All Saints Day. Hallows Eve. All Saints Day. All Souls Day. You in both your joyful memories and also in whatever grief you have. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. I mean, we won't see you, but you'll hear us. That's right. You All right. Will. <laughs> All, All right. right. Bye. All right. See Let the record reflect we are recording and anything you say can now be broadcast on the interwebs or on my iPod, as I said earlier. iPod. <laughs> I actually do have an iPod shuffle. I still have an iPod cool. shuffle and it's really little and and it clips onto things. Um, and I just recently charged it up, but I don't know. I don't know if I actually have the technology anymore to put something on it. Mm. I bet I do. I bet I can find some dongle. It'd be a cord someplace. Yeah.